Buddy Hobart and Rob Salome from Solutions 21 join Charlie and Katie to talk about recruiting in today's business environment and the books they have written about the benefits of recruiting millennials for your business. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. Hi, this is Katie Gamble, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Charlie Kuhn, for another episode of Clarksville's Conversation, where we are uh, introducing you to some local people and telling you some stories behind um, what they do. So, Charlie, you want to introduce our guest today? I do. Today's a big day, Katie. You know, we, um, we've been through some leadership classes together, and we hear the word leadership all the time. But today we get to actually hear the definition of leadership and learn about some new books and, and some things that are going on. And we've got the honor today to have Mr. Buddy Hobart and Mr. Rob Salome with us to talk about leadership from uh, their company, Solutions 21. So let's kind of dig into it and see what's going on. Welcome, gentlemen. Glad to have you on here. Uh, good to see you. Thanks. Um, first, your company is actually based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, correct? It is, yep. So we love Clarksville. We think Clarksville is the best place in the world to live. So you tell us why you decided that Clarksville was the best place to open a, another branch. Because we love Clarksville, too. Uh, so we have an office in Pittsburgh, Phoenix, uh, Kansas City, and, and Clarksville. And uh, Clarksville hit probably the biggest button for us was the talent acquisition. So we really came to Clarksville because that's where Rob Salome chose to live after he retired from the, from the Army. So I had the good fortune of being in Rob's class at the U.S. Army War College, and uh, we, we stayed in touch. When we became the garrison commander at Fort Campbell, he invited us down to do some work for him at Fort Campbell, and uh, one thing led to another, and he started telling us about his future plans and his commitment to the Clarksville area. And it was, an, it was a compelling conversation. He was committed to the area. It fit the, the markets that we were looking for. And so we decided to plant a flag in Clarksville. So is that where you and Rob first met? Was at War College? Yes, I, was, I had the good fortune. So they have a thing called the NSS. It's the, I believe, the National Security Seminar where they plug in um, – uh, civilians. I, I, I did not serve. I, and so uh, they plug civilians into classes and I was lucky enough to be in Rob's class. Charlie, you've been to that, haven't you? I, I did. I went, I went a couple of years ago and it's really pretty amazing. You could sit around in your seminar group with all these, all these leaders like Rob and they've been in there for eight or nine months, 10 months, whatever it is. And then people like Buddy and myself were fortunate enough to go and, and we learn about the strategies and the issues that they've talked about that help um, help our military. And it's all different branches of the service. So it's really neat. And then I got to know Rob really good as he was a, a garrison commander. And Katie, you, you met him then too. So to watch his leadership style and how he can bring um, uh, positive leadership out of people who maybe sometimes think they're not leaders. So it's, it's funny to watch that evolution uh, with people they work with. Buddy, we were thrilled to see uh, you open this location here and thrilled that you chose Rob to kind of help you do that because he was somebody, he is definitely a natural leader and somebody that we were um, really blessed to have stay in our community. 
Well, I, you know, I, 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 in all sincerity, Rob and I tease around as, as you know, coworkers do, but in all sincerity, it was a talent acquisition. When, when we realized that Rob was going to retire and he had decided that he wanted to do leadership development, uh, one thing led to another. And, uh, of course, Patricia made us a roast and over the roast, we, yes. we, uh, we nailed the rest of our lives. And, um, and then from the U.S. Army War College, which, uh, Charlie, you've been there, um, um, my, one of my previous books was picked up by a professor there. So he then had me, has me, uh, teach a class there. So I actually now teach at the U.S. Army War College and then had the good fortune of having Luis Rivera be in my first class that I taught. And he is a, also a, a full bird colonel who has recently retired and he has relocated to uh, Clarksville to be a part of our team. So the Clarksville area hit, checked all the buttons. The biggest button was talent acquisition. I'm going to use that talent acquisition. I like that. Yep. That's absolutely who it was. You know, the, the, uh, in the book, good to great first, the who, and then the what, well, Rob was the who, and then Luis was the who, and the what is the leadership development and, and the strategy, the strategic planning that we do for clients. Well, now you've written several books, so let, <clears throat> let's talk about those for just a minute before we jump into sure. the newest book that you've written. Uh, you, you wrote a book originally about how to better lead millennials, and I think there's a little story behind that. We heard that the book started with an argument between you and your co-author. Do you want to tell us about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, uh, he would probably take offense to argument. He's a little too humble to say he was arguing, but it was a bit of a debate. And um, so, so my co-author is a gentleman named Herb Sendek, and Herb is a uh, Division One basketball coach. He has been coach of the year in the, the, the MAC conference with Miami of Ohio in the Atlantic Coast Conference with North Carolina State, um, in the Pac-10 with Arizona State. So he was the coach at Arizona State. And one year after the season was over, we were talking, we're old friends. And um, he said, you know, I mean, you know what, I, I played basketball when I was younger. And he said, you know, you know what I do? Tell me what you do. And I told him about our consulting business. And, and he asked me a really insightful question. Now, this goes back to 2008. And he said, uh, you know, is there anything, because we're, we're really industry agnostic. So when you're talking about strategy or leadership development, you don't need to be an expert in someone's industry. You need to be an expert in developing leadership. So we were talking about this and we work across all industries all around the world, actually. And um, um, he said, well, you know, are you seeing anything that's similar across the board and in all businesses? And, and this was before I wrote the books. And, and I said, yeah, sure. Um, you know, businesses are having a hard time attracting and retaining young talent. He said, what do you mean? He said, what, what are you talking? And I hadn't done any of the research. I said, I don't know. It's called 25 somethings. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, they're, they're, and I got up on my baby boomer soapbox, you know, they're disloyal, they're job jumpers, they're, you know, they want a trophy for showing up, all those things. And, uh, and when I came up for air and paused, Herb looked at me and said, well, I disagree. I said, well, how can you disagree? Like you asked me the question, how can you disagree? Like, what you, you don't know, consult. he said, you know, buddy, very humble, by the way, he's a very humble guy. He said, you know, buddy, that's who I've been recruiting my whole career and I've done okay. And, and if you think about somebody who's a division one basketball coach, there's only, you know, 350 of those jobs. So if you have one of those jobs, you've done okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so we started to talk about it. And, and he made a point that I later heard in, in future years from a, a gentleman named Charles Krulak, who was a retired four-star Marine general. And Herb told me the same thing that Charles Krulak told me, which was, by definition, leaders have followers. And if you can't adapt your leadership to the followership, you won't be a leader for long. So uh, to be completely uh, transparent with you and your audience, I said to Herb, okay, open another bottle. And the, and the book was born on the second bottle of wine, to be uh. completely transparent. So we wrote two books, actually. The first book um, we wrote, it was, um, we wrote in 08, which I'm very proud of, because that made us pioneers in this conversation. Mm -hmm. We were advocates for uh, the next generations. And, you know, the, the recession hits, the uh, ITs around it, like my wife bought a copy, his wife bought a copy, maybe his mom, I don't know. But we sold, you know, we didn't sell any. It was the height of the recession. And then fast forward to like the middle of 09, we start selling cases. So that first book sold out. We had to have a second printing of that first book. And then we had to have a, then we didn't have to, but we had a, we're approached to have a second edition of that first book. So I'm kind of proud of the fact that we were one of the first folks out there who advocated for some of what we're seeing now, which are these generations coming of age and taking over critical positions. So we were, we were pioneers in the, in the space of, of being positive towards attracting and retaining these generations. Hmm. It's, it's really interesting to, to see, and I, I've heard you guys speak about millennials and, and, uh, uh, you know, that generation. And then you come to today with your new book, um, The Leadership Decade. How has that, your vision of leadership changed? And, and actually, how has it changed how you wrote your book? Because it seems like you went through one process early, and now you've had the experience. How did you feel during this book? That's a great question. Um, so the first two books, I don't, I don't say it was a mistake uh, because uh, to quote Oprah Winfrey, I did the best I could with what I knew at the time, but I know more now. And um, what, what I did in the first couple of books it, advocating for this, these generations is I actually kind of tried to sell the concept a little bit that this was a demographic certainty. Um, you cannot run demographics. This is going to happen. And I tried to sell folks of my vintage, maybe, you know, more experienced managers. I'm a baby boomer. I, I try to kind of convince them a little bit more, giving them facts and data. But to your point, Charlie, what's changed is this is no longer a one-way street. This is a two-way street. Like the concept, the idea of millennials being these kids, that ship has sailed. Millennials, so the oldest millennials turning 40 this year. So to your point, this latest book is really about the two-way street of everybody understanding each other versus trying to convince my peers that we needed to understand this next generation. That ship has sailed. This is a two-way street. And leadership now, I'll give you a statistic, 40% of the American population is reporting to a younger manager. That's never happened before. So the ship has sailed. So that's a fabulous question. The, this book is really about leadership uh, in, the, in the 21st century and not just about leadership on how to attract and retain millennials and now Gen Z. It's a two-way street. Millennials need to learn every bit as much about leadership as everybody else. 
So a lot of our millennials are now stepping into leadership roles because they're kind of aging into that. And now we have a whole new generation that's coming into the workforce. You just mentioned Gen Z. So what do you see happening like over the next 10 years that will require us to kind of change the way we focus, the way we lead? Well, I, I think you bring a great question with the aging into, because it's even deeper than that, uh, Katie, in that uh, millennials not only are aging into this as they approach their the height of their career, there's a gap. So there were 78 million baby boomers and 60 million Gen X. So there's an 18 million gap there that that's, by the way, is unprecedented. There has never been since at least the uh, Industrial Revolution there's always been enough of the next generation to replace the retiring generation, but not this time. So there's 78 million of we baby boomers and only 60 million Gen X. So, so not only are millennials aging in, they're also uh, being pushed in quicker because of this 18 million person gap. And so uh, there's, I think there's a number of things that we need to be thinking about. And one of them is not only is there that gap, but how about this point? 2020 represents the midpoint for baby boomers. Hmm. So baby boomers is an 18 year generation and half of we baby boomers starting this year will have already turned 65. So we've reached a tipping point for the next nine years, the rest of we baby boomers will all turn 65. We will all be of retirement age, which means that it's no longer about what we hoped for and wanted, it's about handing the baton off to these next generations and developing their leadership proactively. Now, I don't want you to, I want everybody to buy the book, which debuted number one on Amazon, but without, you know, giving too much away, tell us in there, what are a couple, you, it talks about the leadership decade and you talk about building leaders. What are a couple tips you would give someone to build those leaders right now? Well, thanks. Uh, a couple of things. One is, um, that, that the more senior leaders, we need to, we need to wake up quickly. So uh, in the book, I talk about uh, the fact that, in fact, I had this all written, by the way, the book was off to the publisher in January. And I had the good fortune of being working with the Air Force in early February. And I was with military leaders uh, uh, across North America, and they were talking about this thing a bit differently. This thing now we know is COVID-19. Mm -hmm. They were talking about it differently. And, and so my ears perked up. I started to listen. I called the, um, the publisher and I did a, like a 1930s movie, Stop the Presses. Uh, and we rewrote the book over the next several months to take in COVID-19 and understand how that's going to affect leadership moving forward. So I didn't want to publish a book that was obsolete on day one. And, and so we've updated it um, to, to bring this into it. And the reality, Katie, is we were going to reach this inflection point anyway. I had already written into that book prior to COVID-19. If you chart the industrial revolutions since the first one, you see they go from 130 years to 80 years to 50 years to 20 years, now to 10 years. And in 2020, we reached this inflection point without COVID-19. It was going to happen anyway. Here's what happened with COVID-19 though, is that instead of a dawning of this, so instead of business leaders of my generation or uh, more experienced folks seeing this gradual dawning of this inflection point where in 21, 2022, 2023, 
it was like the light switch was thrown and a bright light was shown on it. There was no, so, you know, you think about going from the dark to the light, right? I mean, some people can't have to take some time to, to adjust so they can see properly. And one of the biggest challenges I would offer to business leaders now is we don't have that time. We don't have two or three years to adjust. We have to do it now. We have to realize that time is not on our side. So I challenge business leaders in the book that the number one issue for every Fortune 500 CEO, and by the way, every CEO, is talent acquisition and retention. And yet, they delegate it four levels down and don't take ownership to it. So one of the biggest challenges I offer to business leaders is you need to own this issue of attracting and retaining top talent and time is not on your side. And if we've not learned that in 2020, we're never going to learn that. Things can change on a dime. We have to respond quickly. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Things do change quickly. And, and I did a little stint in workforce and I worked with Rob on some, some things uh, with, with local industry and, there was a term I heard a, a few years ago that I held, I tried to get uh, the baby boomers and some of the Gen Xers to understand, those leaders to understand that millennials and some of the younger folks um, have different expectations about what their job is and how they can get their job done. So I heard this term one time called flexpectations, being flexible on your expectations about about how people get their job done so during COVID we see you know before COVID everybody had to be in their office they had to be behind their computer to get their job done then all of a sudden everybody's scattered out working from home working from their car and they can still get their job done with the flexibility they need to be uh, productive for their company so I used to use that term some when I was when I was talking to somebody and they'd say, well, they need to be in the office and they need to be present. But I think everybody needs to be flexible on how to figure out how to get that job done. You couldn't be more right. Uh, so when you talk about the speed of change and by the way, before I even answer that, um, a lot of what we apply to other generations are flat out myths. They're flat out wrong. They're flat out urban legends, they're flat out exacerbated by information that comes our way. And make no mistake, millennials also have um, uh, myths and, and prejudices towards baby boomers, and it's a two-way street. So, so but let me, let me throw something at you with what you just said. So in the book, pre-Stop pre the Presses, we had one of the uh, eight superpowers being to learn about uh, remote leadership, because to your point, uh, there was this telecommuting thing happening. So normally, the American workforce is about 135 million. Obviously, it's less now in this current situation, but normally it's about 135 million. So in December, there were 4.7 million American workers telecommuting. That, that's, that's not an insignificant number. That's, you know, 3% of the workforce. By March, 75 million Americans wow. were telecommuting. So if we don't understand the speed of change where there was this tug of war going on, like your flexpectations, there was this tug of war going on between 20th century management techniques and 21st century management techniques, um, business leaders need to understand the tug of war is over. 
20th century industrial age leadership techniques, not bedrock principles, don't get me wrong, um, not honesty and integrity and all that, not that, those are, those are bedrock, but, but techniques, 20th century techniques are dead, put a fork in them. It's the 21st century and we need to do that flexpectation thing and understand this is the workforce that is present at the moment. You know, for me, talking about the COVID-19 crisis, because I was thinking about something that you said a while ago and figuring out how to maneuver through that, I think that for me, one of the things that was interesting in my organization that happened is that it kind of put a microscope and spotlighted the people within our organization that were going to be the future leaders because some people really pivoted it and took it and embraced it and figured out how to get through it. So what advice would you give someone like me who's, who's already who spotted those future leaders? I mean, what advice would you give them to figure out how to grow them to the next level? Well, a couple of things. Um, the first I think is what you just said is that, um, uh, I have always argued that experience is not leadership. So one of the one of the 20th century techniques, industrial age techniques, is you take your most experienced person of X, right? So we take our most experienced welder, and then we make them the manager of the welders. Okay. Well, they they've been working on their welding skills for 30 years, not their people and leadership skills. So in fact, he became a welder so he could put a mask on. He hates people. He doesn't want to deal with people. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. Uh, but now we've made him the welder, the, the manager of the welder. So the first thing I think we need to understand is that experience is not leadership. Okay. And if COVID-19 teaches us anything, because I'm bumping up on a 40-year career, but I have never experienced a global pandemic. I am equally inexperienced to this situation as is my 24-year-old new employee. I am equally as inexperienced. And so we have to stop equating years of service to somehow having some magic pill. That doesn't exist, okay? Um, then a couple of things, Katie, I would offer, which is that uh, experienced managers such as yourself and, and us, we have to take everything that we know and turn it on its head. I'll give you an example, is that I was recently talking to a client and they're challenged with onboarding new folks. And so how do you onboard folks who are working remotely? You don't see them in the office or not walking down the hall. And this uh, very experienced manager uh, was very proud of himself because he went out of his way to talk to these new folks and say, if you need anything, I mean, I am available, you pick up the phone, you call me, uh, I'll answer any of your questions, you let me know what you need, I'm here for you. He was very proud of himself. However, that is a very 20th century answer. Mm -hmm. Because that new hire isn't going to pick up the phone because that new hire doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. So one of the challenges I would offer, this is one of the eight superpowers we have in the book, is we need to learn better remote leadership. So the advice that I gave this person is, no, 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 no. You have to have two planned check-in times a day with this person. You have to call them at, and tell them you're going to call them at 10 and at 3. So you can answer any questions that may have bubbled up in the meantime. You can, but don't ask them to ask you questions 
that they don't even know what to ask yet. So what's going to happen is you're going to think you were a wonderful manager by making yourself completely available. And 12 weeks from now, this person's going to quit and you're going to blame it on that person versus blaming it on you and your inability to adapt to a remote leadership role. So one of the things I would offer leaders is that just because it's the way we've always done it does not make it right in the age of COVID or quite frankly, in the 21st century. So can, it, can we just hit on Clarksville just, just for a second? Absolutely, love, love Clarksville. I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Rob and, and I've seen him work some of these programs, but how can, how can a company such as ours or K's, how can they contact you and, and, and learn about the things we're talking about? It's easy to sit here and listen to you talk and kind of get a glimpse of it, but how can a company drill down to figure out what they really need to do when they have no idea really about uh, developing leaders? Well, I, I would say locally there, uh, contact Rob, which is R Salome, S-A-L-O-M-E, at solutions21, the number 21.com. So R Salome at solutions21.com. Uh, our website is solutions21.com. Um, uh, I, I, as you know, Charlie, we, we're, um, we're big on planting our flags. So we're, mm. we were, um, uh, we fell in love with Clarksville, and we also moved to Clarksville. So we have an office over on Madison Street. We want to have a local presence. We want to be part of the community. We want to support the community. We're not there in name only. Uh, so we bought a 150-year-old building over on Madison Street um, and um, planted our flag. So if, if anybody in the area wants to talk more about developing a strategic plan or developing their leadership, um, the best place to start is with Rob, rsalome at solutions21.com. So the, the Leadership Decade, your newest book, if, how can people purchase a copy of that? Uh, thank you for that. Uh, you, you can go onto Amazon. Uh, it, it reached, I'm humbled to say, it reached number one on Amazon. Uh, so you can get it uh, on Amazon. If you wanted to buy some, some uh, bulk copies or anything, again, reach out to Rob. We can, we can help better with that. But if you wanted to purchase the book, you can purchase it on Amazon. Well, congratulations on it hitting first. I think we could probably sit here all day long and just dig deep on different leadership because there's really just not a one-size-fits-all plan. Everybody has a different needs a different solution. So um, I think that's really what Rob does. He can get in there and find out, you know, what that business's needs are. So I appreciate you, you guys both taking time to meet with us today. Well, we appreciate you having us. Uh, I, I, I appreciate, by the way, the way that Clarksville has embraced our business and has uh, treated us. You, you, you live in a special place, by the way. Buddy, I could sit and have lunch with you and pick your brain all day long. I just find everything that you're talking about very interesting. My thank you. I'll look forward to it the next time I'm there, which hopefully is soon. I would love it. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks, Katie. Right. Thank you, uh, appreciate it. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.